Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32 this morning. I want to try and talk to you. I'm going to get this as brief as I can. Um, But I want to talk to you today around the topic of God's call sign. God's call sign. Jeremiah, chapter 32. And we're gonna start reading today in verse six. I hope you like the Bible. Do you like the Bible? I got, a, I got a bunch of scripture. I'm not gonna try and read it too quickly, but I'm gonna try to read it as quickly as I can without depriving it of its narrative and meaning. But in Jeremiah 32, verse six, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, is gonna to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth, because his nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamiel came to me in the courtyard of the garden, said, buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord, so I bought the field. Verse 10, sorry, uh, let's just jump down to verse 16. After I had given the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord. Verse 17 Our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment of the father's sins into the laps of the children after them. Oh, great and powerful God. I love this. Oh, great and powerful God, whose name is the Lord Almighty. Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. The way you see God determines the way you live. Great and powerful God. Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. He's saying I have a great God with great purposes who does mighty deeds. The size of your God will determine the size of your life. The size of your God will determine the size of your purpose. Great God, great purpose. Great purpose, mighty deeds. The greatest reflection of the revelation we have of God is the way that we live our lives. Your eyes are open to all the ways of men. You reward the conduct of everyone. You reward everyone according to his conduct and as his deeds deserve. Come down down to verse 24. See the siege works that are built up to take this city. Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be handed over to the Babylonians. Who are, attacking, who are attacking it. What you said has happened as you now see. And though the city will be handed over to the Babylonians, you, O sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. He's saying this is just crazy. It doesn't make sense. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord. I am the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Verse 36, you are saying about the city by sword, famine, and plague, it will be handed over to the king of Babylon, but this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. It's a dangerous thing when your narrative and God's are out of alignment. He's like, you're saying all this bad stuff's about to happen. This is what I'm saying. I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place 
and I will let them live in safety. They will be my people. I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me so for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing them good. Don't you love that about God? Man, I've been reading the Bible basically every day since I was 18 years old. And this year I've just fallen in love with the overwhelming theme about Bibles that is the narrative of the goodness, the hope, the purpose, the life, the love and the grace of God. Don't you just find such comfort in the fact that our God's personality is so explicitly known through His Word? <laughs> I will never stop doing them good. I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and my soul. God's call sign. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless this word. I pray you'd help me to get it out in a concise period of time as we've already spent so much in, in declaration and prophecy and celebration, but I pray that you would anoint this message and bless it to the lives of your people right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Connecting with God is the most important thing in our lives. Nothing is more important. Our relationship with God trumps everything else. And not just that you and I have the kind of relationship with God that gets us a WWJD bracelet and a ticket into eternity. The kind of relationship with God that He wants us to enjoy is one where we live our lives in communication with Him. That we can connect with Him. That we can communicate with Him. Talk to Him. Hear from Him. And the truth is when we think about communicating with God, in reality, this is easier in sometimes than it is in others. I mean, every relationship in our lives is easier in certain seasons than it is in other seasons. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I mean, if your life is just sunset beaches and 25 degree days, then sitting there enjoying your little non-alcoholic pina colada and watching a sunset, <laughs> talking to people in your life at that moment is going to be tremendously easy. When your child has colic, hasn't slept for three nights, and it's five degrees outside, well, let's just say you may still have love in the relationship, but communication's just a whole lot harder. Come on, can we get real today? Don't look at me like you're better than me. You're not. And it's not just in our human relationships. It's the same in our relationship with God. It never ceases to amaze me, and I give thanks how at a RISE conference every year, people come out of it and they're like, God spoke to me, God spoke to me, God spoke to me. I love that. I celebrate that. But the truth is, it's just easy. <laughs> when you're in the middle of 6,000 people lifting their hands in worship and singing until they've got no voice left, the truth is, it's kind of hard to not hear from God. Because it's like the optimal environment. That, by the way, is the reason why I have from the age of 18 committed my life to being in church every morning and every evening. If I'm not on holiday, I've been in church every morning and every evening other than seven particular Sundays since I found Jesus at the age of 18 years old. 
A couple more I may not be accounting for because of sickness or hospitalization, but the truth is, I am a church every morning, church every evening person, and the reality is, every time I'm in an environment like that, God begins to speak to me. That's why you can't be a stay-at-home Christian. You can be a stay-at-home parent, but not a stay-at-home Christian. If you love Jesus, you get to church because it's an environment where God is speaking. Come on, can I get an amen? You're here. You can afford to amen that. When I read my Bible every morning, I'm creating an environment where it is easier for me to communicate with God. I don't need the crowd only. I can get something when I'm by myself. But there are moments in our lives where it's easy to communicate with God, and there are moments when it is difficult. And the truth is, when life is difficult, it's never more important to hear from God than in the seasons when life is all falling apart. Come on, anybody know what I mean? When all around me is closing in, when I am afraid. Fear is an assault of the devil that is being thrust upon our culture. COVID has given it a pedestal, but let us be clear, COVID was not the beginning of the season of fear in our world. Global warming, GFC, for those of you who are now old enough to remember it. Teenagers are like, what's that? My kids are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But the truth is we live in a world where there has been uncertainty for some time. When fear closes in, it is harder to hear the voice of God. When you're full of anxiety, it's just more difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's not as easy. When I'm exhausted physically, when I'm apprehensive about the future, it's just harder to hear God's voice in those moments. But the truth is, even though it is more difficult, it's never more important. In fact, Christianity, it's like, Hard to spot Christianity when everything is great. If everything is great in your life and in the lives of those that are around you, then the Christian, it's kind of hard for their life to really stand out. My life is great right now. So is mine. But when everything around you comes tumbling down, if as Christians that connection is still real, and in spite of our circumstances and in spite of our pressures, we've found a love that is greater than the fear that we're facing. We've found a hope that flies in the face of the uncertainty. We've found a joy that is not predicated upon our circumstances. Then in those moments, our faith begins to really shine. That's why learning to communicate with God in moments of difficulty is so incredibly important. And with that in mind, I want us today to jump into the life of Jeremiah. Because when we jump into the life of Jeremiah, the truth is about Jeremiah's life, at this moment when we jump into it, his life is anything but easy. In fact, Jeremiah is called in the Scriptures the weeping prophet, the weeping prophet. The reason why he's called the weeping prophet is that the tough assignment fell to Jeremiah to prophesy to Israel during the season of their demise. During the reign of King David and his son Solomon, everything had been great. Israel was on the up. They won every battle. It was a time of economic prosperity. It was a time of tremendous certainty. And then by the time Jeremiah comes along, Israel has hardened their hearts. They've become determined to move away from their dependence and their reliance upon God. And I just feel to speak to somebody because there's somebody in this room 
who's become presumptive about the blessing God's put upon your life? Yeah, I don't know where you are. Maybe you're in Fangre, maybe you're in Wellington, maybe you're, maybe you're in Dunedin. I'm not sure where you are, but there's somebody that's become presumptive about God's hand. And even though you're allowing yourself to drift from your reliance upon God, right now you're just expecting that everything in your life is gonna continue the way that it is. Remember, my friend, that for many of us, the only way that we got here was through the goodness of God. And if there is one thing you don't wanna do in your life, it's to drift away from your acknowledgement dependedness and full surrender to the God who brought His goodness into your life. Come on, can you give God some praise because we need to acknowledge His goodness in and through our lives. And Israel has forgotten their need of the Lord and they have walked away from Him. So then the tough job falls to Jeremiah to declare to them, this is what's gonna happen because you've walked away. This is what's gonna happen unless you turn back to God. And then people began to shout out and declare, don't you worry, everything's gonna be all right. Sometimes you need to be careful. There's gonna be voices in your life trying to tell you that it's not, you don't need to be concerned about where your relationship with God is heading or what your sins are in your life. This, this, it's all fine, it's all fine. And Jeremiah is the counted voice to the overwhelming narrative of the age in which he lives because he's saying, turn back to God or everything is gonna come tumbling down. And then sure enough, Israel begins to experience defeat and battle. Their economy is progressively shrinking. They end up in a place where Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, the first global empire was the Babylonian empire. And Nebuchadnezzar erects siege works outside the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is now the last bastion of the entire nation of Israel. So Israel is gone. There is just one solitary city. And inside it, you've got Jeremiah, you've got the king, and you've got the remnant of the people that are left. And in this incredible moment, Jeremiah is still prophesying the messages that God has given to him. Now, the people don't like Jeremiah's prophecies. So rather than giving him a pedestal, they lock him in prison. Still he prophesies, so they throw him in the pit. Think of the pit as being the worst place in the prison. It's where the excrement would hang out at the bottom of the pit. He is thrown in a pit, in a prison, in a city, under siege. Have you got the picture? It is the bleakest picture you could possibly imagine. And in the pit, in the prison, in the city, under siege with Nebuchadnezzar parked on the fields outside the city, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord comes to him, your cousin Hanamiel, sounds like a character out of uh, Asterix and Oblix, doesn't it? I don't know why I think of that, but every time I see little Asterix and Oblix, you know what I mean? Your cousin Hanamiel is gonna come to you and he's gonna ask you to buy my field. And when he comes to you, I, wanna buy, I want you to buy the field and I want you to have the transaction witnessed. And Jeremiah is like, what? Now, how many have ever heard the expression, possession is nine-tenths of the law? When you have no army, when you have no nation, when the most powerful king in the history of the world is camped on a field? Do you think he's really gonna care if you hold up a title deed in front of him and say, I bought this field from Hanamiel, from Asterix and Oblix? Do you really think, 
I'm sorry, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm just gonna move my tent now and give you back your field because you bought it from your cousin Hanamiel from Asterix and Oblix. He is not gonna care one little rip. This is not a good economic moment to be investing in real estate. And yet God is saying to Jeremiah that he needs to do something that makes no logical sense. And Jeremiah, the Bible tells us, does what the Lord has asked him to, God, man, can you come back tonight because there's so much I wanna drop out that I just need to for time. I've already used my preach time and my ministry time, so I'm just gonna try and just keep this a little bit shorter, but, but who will give me five more minutes? Just come on, tell, five, 10, 15, 20, 25, okay, great. All right, good. I don't care what you did in your auditorium. I've got, I've got these people with me and they won't cut the link till I stop. <laughs> it's like God says to him, buy the field. And then Hanamiel turns up. And so when Hanamiel arrives, he's like, this must be the word of the Lord. So he buys the field. Some of the things God's gonna speak to you about to do in your life, you've got to remember that the word of the Lord might come to you, but it doesn't mean that it is for that time of your life. I, I, I didn't get into that tonight. Let me just keep going. So then the Bible tells us that Jeremiah is just tremendously confused. He's like, I'm in this moment of my life, and this is what my environment is like right now. And here you are, asking me to buy a field. He's in a season, and I love the Bible because it's so honest, don't you? And here we're jumping into a moment when Jeremiah is trying to hear from God about a situation that he's in that doesn't make sense to him, that he's overwhelmed by, and he needs to hear God's voice in the middle of it. And the reason why I wanna give you this message today is because with the COVID world in which we now live, with the borders closed, with business flows being messed with, with cafes that are at the, on the ground floor of now 50% occupied high-rise buildings, with tourism businesses tr quickly trying to reorient to domestic economy, with, with quantitative easing being the only economic measure for prosperity our nation seems to hold right now. There are a lot of people in the world in which we live that are feeling those fear waves and those anxiety waves rising. Come on, can I just get a knowing nod? It's okay. If you nod, it means it's not you, but somebody near me, okay? And it is important in our lives in moments like these that we don't only have a relationship with God that can help us when seasons of life are good. We need to find a way to communicate when everything in our life is looking bad. And with that in mind, we jump into this prayer that Jeremiah prays, when in verse 17, the Bible tells us, he, trying to figure this out, he looks to God and this is what he says, our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. See how the siege works are built up to take the city because of sword, famine, and plague. It will be handed over the Babylonians. And though the city will be handed over the Babylonians, you, O sovereign Lord, are saying to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. He's like, God, I can't figure this out. 
This is a prayer of I'm gonna bring to you, Lord, my confusion. I hope you understand that when you come to God, you can bring to Him whatever you're overwhelmed by, whatever you're apprehensive about, whatever you're concerned. It is not a lack of faith to say to the Lord, I'm overwhelmed, I'm confused, I can't make sense of it. I've got questions in my mind. This doesn't seem right. It's all going mental right now. He comes to God and He brings to Him all the mess. And then the Bible says that God answers him. And in verse 26, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. In other words, this guy's now got a two-way communication. And when God speaks to him, he says, I am the Lord. I am the God of all mankind, God of all humankind. I can't read it out from the Bibles that say humankind because I've memorized this passage from this translation. So every lady out there who's like, it's humankind, just forgive me, I'm just an old preacher now, so just... I've got humankind Bibles, but I have to preach it from this one today. Otherwise, if I try to do it from the 2011 translation of the NIV, I become dyslexic because I've memorized enough that I'm confused with the 10% of words that they've changed. So you have to, I'm not misogynistic. Just come with me on the journey, okay? Just, just forgive me, okay? He said, is anything too hard for me? I wanna read it one more time. I am the Lord. I am the God of all humankind. Is anything too hard for me. Can you help me with the last five words? Is six, is anything too hard for me? Say it again. Is anything too hard for me? In verse 36, you are saying, by sword, famine, and plague, the city will be handed over the Babylonians. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel is saying. And then God begins to speak to Jeremiah. And as he begins to speak to him, he's saying, I'm gonna bring you back to this place. I will be, you will be my people, I will be your God. I will never stop doing you good. I will rejoice in doing you good. I will plant you in this land with all my heart and soul. Once more fields will be bought and sold. I will restore your fortunes, says the Lord. In other words, God is saying to Jeremiah, you bought this field, you had this transaction witnessed because what you're going about to go through looks like it's the end. But before it even begins, I want you to know that it's not the end. It might be a difficult chapter, but I need you to see before the chapter even begins that it's only gonna be a couple of pages of your journey and then I'm gonna bring you out the other side of it I'll never stop doing you good. I will rejoice in doing you good. I will prosper you with all my heart and soul. I'm gonna bring blessing back into your life. I need to preach this message for somebody who needs to hear in summarized location that this difficult season is not your last chapter. Even if you're going through recession, God's storing up a blessing and He's got a good thing that He's about to do for you. And if you believe it, why don't you give God about five seconds of praise right now? Come on, give your God some praise. He's saying, I want you to know, even when everything looks like it's falling down, I'm still the God who's gonna restore it back again. I'm gonna bless you again. I'm never gonna stop doing you good. And I'm gonna work out everything for its advantage. And Jeremiah goes to a place where he's been struggling with the situation and trying to work out what he's going to do. And when he's literally just, I mean, he's in a pit, guys. The smell is not pleasant. I just got back from a night in the wild. 
in the Southern Alps, had a beautiful time. Everything about it was absolutely perfect other than the fact where we had to, the place where we had to relieve ourselves was anything but optimal. Long drop bathrooms are from hell. If you believe it, give me a little amen out there today. Yeah, absolutely from hell. And Jeremiah is in pretty much the same place. He's in a pit with excrement on the bottom in a prison, in a city. The city, by the way, is full of famine and sickness. Conflict outside the doors, recession inside the doors, and the fear of a pandemic. Anybody feel like we can relate a little bit to Jeremiah? Conflict all around us. Have you noticed it's like, The left is like crazy left and the right is like crazy right. And we just, our world right now, not America, not just America. I'm just saying here in New Zealand, it's like, we just like this all the time and conflict and relational conflict and marital conflict. Come on, it's just an animos, animos times. I'm not sure what the word is, but just roll with me. It's a difficult season of conflict. And then it's like, there there is literally a recession on the inside. They are eating, their food is literally dove dung. They've got no stimulus package. They've got no quantitative easing. When your economy slows down in the ancient world, it just means everything falls to custard. And then there is the fear of a famine that is going, sorry, a disease that is going all through the city of Jerusalem. In other words, we've got a pandemic, a recession and conflict. We can relate a lot to the moment that Jeremiah was in. And in the middle of this moment, there is a glimmer in his heart that God is saying, I want you to buy this field. I want you, see, arise some, God speaking to somebody today, sitting, saying in the middle of this situation, I still want you to believe that I'm gonna work something good in you. I still want you to step out in faith. I still want you to apply for those contracts. I still want you to pursue that university education. I still want you to believe for my promise over you. I still want you to declare my goodness over your family and situation. I still want you to cling to my promise. I've got something good that I'm about to do for you. If anybody in Canterbury believes that we're about to step into a decade that's gonna change the narrative of the last, I need you to stand to your feet and give your God some praise right now and declare that Jesus is greater than every storm that we face. God's saying, I've still got a good thing that I'm about to do for you. Somebody in Dunedin needs to hear that. I've still got a good thing that I'm about to do to you, do for you. And in the middle of it all, this is what we've got. And I want you to stay with me. Stay standing, everybody. Come on, you're fine with it. It's only giving me two more minutes and it'll give you a bum arrest anyway. Posterior, I don't think I'm allowed to. I said it, I don't care. I didn't sleep on Friday night. I had snoring Bob next to me in a, a dock hut. He was a grumpy man too. The Lord needs to save him. He must be from, I'm trying to think of a town. I don't care about. Ben said Rolleston. We've got a campus out there, bro. My parents live there. What are you saying? He says in verse 17, he says, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. 
And then in verse 26, we've got God and He says, I am the Lord, I'm the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? See, I'm not saying that your circumstances aren't overwhelming. I'm not saying that your position right now is not bleak. This message is for anybody right now who feels like the world is caving in around you. But this is what Jeremiah, in a pit, in a prison, in a city under siege with famine and global pandemic, this is what Jeremiah still said. He said, you are the Lord, you are the God of all mankind and nothing is too hard for you. And God said, I am the Lord. I am the God of all mankind. And there is nothing too hard for me. Is anything too hard for you? There's nothing too hard for me. Is anything too hard for you? There's nothing too hard for me. Is anything too hard for you? There's nothing too hard for me. And this is the thing I want you to hear, my friends. God's call sign. If we're going to connect with God in the difficult moments of our lives, we've got to find a way that in spite of what is going wrong, in spite of how overwhelmed we feel, in spite of everything that is coming around us, we've still got to find a way to stand before the Lord and say, You are my God. You are my King. You created the heavens and the earth by Your outstretched power and Your great hand. There might be a pandemic on the earth. There might be a recession in our nation, but you are still God. You are still greater. You are still able. You're still on my side. There is nothing too hard for you. Even though I don't feel it in my emotions, I'm speaking it out of my spirit. There's nothing too hard for you. Because the moment that Jeremiah began to declare that there was nothing too hard for God, that's the moment that God began to communicate with him and show him more than the moment that he was standing in. And friends, there are moments in our lives as he began to declare the greatness of who God was in the midst of what he was facing. That's the moment that God... <laughs> Look at how young all these band members are. Hannah, did you know there was a time when you didn't used to actually have broadband internet? Did you know that? There was a time before smartphones and uh, there was actually a time and I lived in it, this is how old I am, before, before we had broadband, before we had Wi-Fi. Like when I, when I get to any place, so I got here this morning with Will. He looks like I abused him, so he's out the back right now, puffy eyes. But when we arrived here this morning, the first thing he said to Ryan, who's looking after me today, he said, what's the Wi-Fi code? That's what young people, it's like, I'm not sure, it's not hello, but it's kind of like, it's almost what they're conditioned to say, like, welcome to my home. What's your Wi-Fi code? Like, it's like, this is what young people, before you had that, Hannah, before there was Wi-Fi, before there was 5G, 4G, 3G, or even a homie G. When you wanted to connect to the internet, you needed this thing called a modem. Anybody remember that? A modem, yeah. Young people are, what is that? Google it when you get home, you'll find it later. Before there were routers, we had modems. And we used to take that modem, you remember this, Dan, you're a little bit older, even though you, every time I see your worship lead, I'm like, God, why don't I tan like him? And I feel the Lord's prophetic promise. Son, when you get to heaven, you will. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your abundant goodness to me in my heavenly form. What was I saying? Modem. 
you would plug them, you remember this, you would plug the modem into the phone socket. So you could have the phone or the modem. Yeah, and you plug it into the wall and then on your screen, you would open up this little like inter- internet connect device. Teenagers across the country are like, what is this, what is John talking about? I'm talking about life, Jim, but not as you know it. And you would press this button on the modem device on, on the screen and you would hear these noises. So you would hear from your end, from your end, your computer started to sound like a gremlin was inside it. Hannah, this is true. It would be like, it was like the devil was inside your computer. Come on, how many people remember this? Come on, all my over 40s people, give me a wave. Thank you, I love you all. And then you'd hear from the other end, you would hear this. This is a true story, and I'm not lying. You would hear, ring, 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 ring. So your computer, you can hear both ends. You can hear your computer, and it's like, ring, 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 ring. To this day, I'm always like, why did it ring? Why did it ring? And then at the other end, suddenly someone would pick up. And I don't know how I knew, but I knew that they'd picked up. There'd be like this moment of delay, ring, ring. And then suddenly you would hear from the other end, and for your end, it'd be like, and then it'd just be like this moment of like, and all the noise would stop. Now these days we have like five gigabyte, I don't know what the thing is, but five megabyte broadband like everywhere. That's, that's standard, people got 10 and all that. And I don't know what the high speed is, but you were hoping back then <laughs> that you could get, that what you were really believing God for, prophesying over your laptop was 56K. There are a thousand K to a megabyte. You've now got like five megabyte. We were hoping for 56 of those little megabytes. What we normally got was 16K or 18K. Anybody remember this? Or 32K. And then you'd load up a web browser and it'd be like top 10%. 20 seconds later, next 10%. Next 10 You'd get so frustrated, you'd judge the page off the first half of the content. Now you guys are frustrated that you can't get 4G. I've only got 3G. This house sucks. You have no idea. called a handshake. Your computer and your internet service provider have to be putting out a correlating signal. And when they were, you could make the jump from being no longer solitary you in your lounge room, limited by your understanding. I mean, young people these days have no idea when they wanna know something, they just Google it, Google it. There's no longer a challenge about information, only about comprehension and then application. But back in my day, we didn't know. We didn't know stuff. And when we didn't know stuff, life could be overwhelming. But now, no matter what you need, it's at your fingertips. Why? Because you're always online. The problem with us today is that more than you need the WWW, the World Wide Web, what you need more in your life is you need your connection with God. 
And the problem with us is that so often we are trying to send out the wrong signal. And in the middle of needing God in our lives, it's like He is suddenly, He's out there. I know He's out there, but I can't get Him. And I just need to teach you today that the one thing you need to do to put the right signal out so that you can... Jeremiah in a pit, in a prison, in a city under siege, just starts saying, you are the Lord, you're the God of heaven and earth. Nothing is too hard for you. And God says, I am the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, and nothing is too hard for me. And if you, my friend, could learn to reach out to heaven, I've got sickness in my body, but nothing is too hard for you. I've got a business that's now in downturn, but nothing is too hard for you. I've got a teenager in my family that's away from the Lord, but nothing is too hard for you. As we begin to lift God up and acknowledge who He is, we put out the right call sign and heaven jumps into our lives. And that's when the might and the power of God begin to invade every situation. I'm done. Right now, lift your hands towards heaven, every person, everywhere. Oh, Jesus. I just have a feeling right now that God is gonna begin to speak to people. God's gonna begin to speak to people. All across our nation right now, the Word of the Lord is about to jump into your heart, into your mind, into your life. So open up your spirit and prepare your body. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Say these words with me. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. Come on, every campus, every person, say it with me. One, two, three. Nothing is too hard for you. Say it again. Nothing is too hard for you. Say it again. Nothing is too hard for you. We acknowledge right now your goodness. We acknowledge your greatness. We acknowledge your limitless potential. Oh God, we ask you right now to speak. Speak into every heart. Speak into every mind. I speak peace to tranquil, sorry, to troubled waters. I ask for promises to fill every life. I ask for you, a miracle maker, to come. Come right now with promise and certainty, life and hope and freedom. In Jesus' mighty name. We just declare your goodness, God. We just declare your goodness, God. We worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Come on, church, we're going to sing together. Let's worship. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.